Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Broadway star's James Marino. Hey, James. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm good. We haven't done one of these in a while, but this will be the first of two over the next week. We have a very exciting one coming up next week that you and I will be doing, I guess, actually a week from today, I believe. It's a very special episode of Blossom. Yes. <laughs> there, will, there will be a nice, uh, important message about saying no to drugs uh, attached yes, to it in the after exactly. school special version of Broadway radio. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited to uh, be doing this with you. And It looks like the theater gods knew that we would be doing a show together because they have gifted us a ton of news. So we're going to jump into that, but I do want to remind everybody to head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. I have already done my interview for this week's episode of This Week in Theater. Um, I'm very excited about that one. It is with somebody who I... Uh, know and love personally, but I also think is on the, the the first few steps of having a huge breakout with a new show that is having a world premiere out of town before, hopefully, as she tells me, coming to New York. So we will get into all of that. And you will, of course, be able to hear that episode in Patreon before it hits the regular feed. Now, James, as we get started into the news, we're going to talk about something that has been percolating behind the scenes for a while now and was officially announced on Tuesday. And that is that the Schubert Theater is going to have a new occupant this spring. And I do mean new because it is a new play by a playwright who hasn't even turned 30 yet, making her Broadway debut, featuring a cast that includes some pretty notable debuts of their own. The play is called POTUS, or behind every great dumbass are seven women trying to keep him alive, which might be my favorite title of anything that I've heard recently alongside Kristen Bell's Netflix satire, The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window, which I still need to watch. But I listened to a Bullseye episode with Kristen about it, and I'm very excited to dive into that. But anyway, POTUS is written by 28-year-old playwright Selena Fillinger and will be directed by the always phenomenal Susan Stroman. It'll feature Tony nominees Lily Cooper and Vanessa Williams, Tony winner, Julie White, stage and screen icon, Leah Delaria, actress and comedian, Suzanne Nakamura, and in their Broadway debuts, Saturday Night Live favorite, Rachel Dratch, and Emmy-winning actress, singer, dancer, and erstwhile Sandy from Grease Live, Julie Ann Huff. The show's description reads thusly, James, quote, One four-letter word is about to rock 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. When the president unwittingly spins a PR nightmare into a global crisis, the seven brilliant and beleaguered women he relies upon most risk life, liberty, and the pursuit of sanity to keep the commander-in-chief out of trouble. Do you want to lay odds or take any guesses as to what that four-letter word might be, James? POTUS. That's not four letters. And I think that's an acronym, not a oh, word, but okay. I can think of a few words that, but I, I'm not going to say them here because <laughs> that would, that would make more work for you having to bleep me out. But I have, I have a, a one word in mind, but I'm not sure if that's it, but I'd be interested to see what this is. But here's what's interesting about this, James, in addition to obviously a new um, comedy on Broadway with, with a bunch of women and written by a young playwright, that's great. But here's where it comes to my, you know, certain specific interests and things the show will begin performances on april 14th at the schubert as i mentioned but 
opening night isn't going to be until May 9th, two weeks after the presumed Tony eligibility cutoff date. Now, of course, as I said, presumed, we don't know for sure that that's the eligibility cutoff. I would be shocked if the eligibility cutoff isn't the last Thursday in April because everybody else seems to be scheduling Mm, things as if it were. But um, this is going to be opening on May 9th. It is scheduled to run through August 14th, but I'm sure if it does well, that will extend to Labor Day. But I don't know if it just has to do with the schedules of some of the folks uh, in the cast. There's nothing going on at the Schubert right now, so it could theoretically move in at any point. There were some other fairly big names attached to this at one point that have... Uh, apparently not work it worked out. So I don't know if the scheduling had to do with those schedules, uh, but it is interesting to me, James, that we are having a show start performances before the eligibility deadline, but not open before the eligibility deadline. Well, maybe they're going for the September Tonys. Yeah. Who, who knows? Uh, maybe they know something we don't know, uh, but it's just, I, it seems odd, but again, maybe it's a show that they're like, ah, this is going to be fun. It's not going to win any Tonys because it's a, a, a you know, a frolicking farce of a comedy. Uh, but it is interesting. It's it's an unusual move for a show that is not. I mean, it's star studded, but not like a list star studded. Yeah, I mean, sometimes um, uh, some of the nonprofits will uh, will have that late spring, early summer opening. Uh, and we always yeah, say, roundabout does it. Yeah. yeah. And, and we, we think to ourselves, how is that ever going to be in anybody's memory by the next time the Tonys roll around? But I mean, my goodness, if anything we need right now is a really funny play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm dying for a funny play because oh my God, er- yeah. everything is just so serious happening these days. But uh, this sounds really great. Uh, we we never officially said anywhere. I don't think did we ever say what the POTUS actually stands for. Uh, I mean, POTUS stands for President of the United States. Yes, uh, is that what you mean? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does, does everybody not know that now? No, I, feel I don't like... think I don't think everybody notices. No, I don't really. Think, okay, yeah. So yeah, POTUS is an acronym for President of the United States, and FLOTUS is First Lady of the United States, and. SCOTUS mm-hmm. is the Supreme yeah. Court of the United States. You know, POTUS. Yeah, v- v- POTUS. <laughs> and then what's the first gentleman's POTUS? Vagotis. Vagotis. <laughs> so Abe Vagotis is what it that is. Abe Vagotis. He is the the ruler above all the of the Otis. <laughs> yes. So uh, <laughs> it's we just like got an Abe Vagoda reference in a Today on Broadway episode. I love as it as we do every day. You know, you have to go back and listen to all the episodes. Uh, you know, Grace is big on Abe Vagoda. She's very, very big on a pagoda. So, her and Conan, her and Conan O'Brien. Yes. Conan used to love having a pagoda on. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So let's move forward into. Wow, we haven't done this in forever. I know. My God. Next up in the news, last week's Broadway grosses. I know, James, one of our favorite traditions here at Today on Broadway, talking about grosses. I'm the one who talks about them, yet I have no financial skills, and yet you have an MBA. So either way. Anyway, yesterday, the Broadway League released box office information for last week's 19 main stem productions. Of course, that includes the recently beginning production of Plaza Suite, uh, and that took the place of Skeleton Crew, which closed the week before us. So we are still standing pat at 19 productions. Um, and for the week ending February 27th, Broadway saw a 92% capacity across all performances. 
That is the highest of the relatively new spring season that began in January. Total attendance was 177,701 guests, and the total gross was 23,004,259 buckaroos. Since Broadway reopened last summer, I guess, uh, the the 4,156 performances that have been played have had a capacity rate of 81%. Obviously, that seems to be moving upwards, and they have grossed just under half a billion dollars and have welcomed 4,036,885 audience members. Now, James, in a vacuum, those would be pretty bad from a, what, June to February run. But all things considered, that seems good to me. Yeah, I think that they're uh, they're smart to have the to outline the performances and capacity versus uh, year over year because because it, there, there's no measuring what we're going through in the last two two years or so, uh, so it's hard to measure what this this week would be last year or two years ago because it's off the scale. But I think that this. Uh, Performances versus capacity rate is is a good measure for right now of the health of uh, Broadway, and then we'll we will see as we get into April when we have fifteen seventeen openings. Uh, yeah. uh, you know wh- how those when we're talking about grosses in May, um, these numbers are going to be back to where we might be in comparable ranges. So we'll have yeah, to and- see. And the question will be, will the Broadway League start releasing individual show data? They haven't done that since the reopening. And and I, I would imagine they would probably end this season not doing that. But I wonder after the Tonys or maybe in the fall, if they start releasing the traditional grosses data that we are used to and seeing what every show did each week. We will have to wait and see about that. Um, I don't think they've officially commented, but... Um, maybe producers kind of like it this way that people don't know. Yeah, anymore. I was and just going to say that yeah. maybe producers are are kind of like not having to do this, but I, I don't know. I, I, you know, if you uh, dig through other types of data, you can generally get to this stuff. So yeah, tickets and capacity for individual shows and all of those things. Tickets, can, capacity, can... filings, because uh, most yeah. Broadway shows are, are investments. Uh, you know, not like Disney. Disney, you'll never find the Disney numbers. But all, all, most of the other Broadway shows that are non-subscription-based are some sort of investment vehicles that have to file some sort of information. Yeah. All right. Let's move on, James, into some show and casting news. And it's feels like things are getting back to normal because the producers of the musical six are doing things that don't make sense to me. This was pretty much the story of the, I guess what year to six months before the shutdown. And now they are back at it. Last week, Grace and Ashley talked about the first national tour casting for six, which will begin performances at Chicago's CIBC theater on March 29th. Well, yesterday six announced the second national tour, which will be launching in Las Vegas this September, September 20th. The original cast, uh, well, the original tour that was announced last week will be now dubbed the Aragon Tour or the Aragon Tour. And this new one launching in the desert will be the Boylan. The Boylan. Uh, I can't speak today. I can't say any of the Queen's names. I was getting it confused with the, the Boylan sisters from Annie. Anyway, uh, Boleyn Tour. Um, so I guess we're... 
I don't know, James, we talked so much about how six was like having a production at like every single theater in the country and including one on a Norwegian cruise line, which coincidentally I am good friends with the person who cast that show. uh, And she thought it was weird too anyway, but um, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's going to be a demand for this show. I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I readily admitted that I was wrong about a lot of the decisions leading up to this show on Broadway and it was great. And I'm, I'm thrilled by it. I've seen it multiple times and I will see whatever tour, but here again, announcing the second national tour, a month before the first national tour even begins. I'm I'm not so concerned about that as much as I am the naming of the tours. I mean, the second national tour of six should be called 12. (laughs) That would, if it was to the power of two. Yeah. Uh, No, I, I imagine they will get through six tours. That's a good, they're going to do that. They, they like their round six numbers. So they are going to be moving. Yeah. I mean, I I think uh, divorce committed survived. Yeah. I think some of the major tours that we've seen over the years, whether it be Phantom Les Mis or Hamilton or or what or Wicked, they, they they had multiple tours going out at the same time. And I think that Hamilton probably announced their second national, uh, even as the first national was just going out or so. Well, I mean, Hamilton was a little different because it had sit downs that were technically their tours, yeah. like okay, the, the Los Angeles yeah. and Chicago. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Anyway, speaking of tours and the show that I saw twice last week, and we'll be talking about this weekend, uh, talking about on this weekend theater this week, the Frozen tour announced a temporary casting change as Ryan McCartan, who was the last Hans of the Southern Isles in Frozen on Broadway, will be stepping in to replace the current Hans on tour, Austin Colby, from March 17th through April 17th. Now, not that I'm going to disclose our sources here, but anybody who listens to Today on Broadway probably knows who my source was we knew about this um austin who is married in real life to uh caroline bowman who plays elsa on tour um he is going to be stepping away for a developmental workshop for a couple weeks we won't get into what that show is uh, but then he will be rejoining the tour after his leave from the show um go ahead were you gonna ask something i I was gonna say uh are are you gonna get up and and yell for Olaf's line in Frozen? (laughs) No, Jimmy, uh, our our friend Jimmy uh, tweeted that he would buy a t-shirt and and, and all that stuff if I got up and yelled it, uh, yelled puddle in the middle of, of Olaf's song. <laughs> um, I did not do that. Um, and, and I think Grace One more chance. Uh, and F would be very mad if I did that, but uh, I did meet uh, the Olaf on tour, uh, F Michael Haney. He was wonderful after the show. I saw him. So uh, it was very nice of him to, to chat with me and my family afterwards, but Anyway, moving off Broadway, we have a pair of extensions and kind of extensions. Uh, but first off, MCC announced a second extension extension for Space Dogs featuring and, and written by Van Hughes and Nick Blameyer. I have talked about my love for this show. Grace interviewed Van and Nick in an episode back in the feed. Uh, Lauren Class Schneider interviewed director Ellie Heyman in an episode of Class Notes in the feed. So we are big fans of Space Dogs here at Broadway Radio. The show will now play through Sunday. March 20th, uh, March 20th at MCC. And then in other news, the public theater has pushed back the start of its upcoming star-studded musical Suffs by a few days, but in return, they have also extended by a week. The show announced that it would be pushing back performances 
um, by a few days due to several pandemic-related supply chain issues. Man, where have I heard that before? Instead of beginning performances on Thursday, March 10th, they will now begin performances on Sunday, March 13th. Um, and they will now be um, running through Sunday, May 1st, with an official opening on April 6th. I had tried to get tickets to this uh, when I was coming into town for this trip coming up this month, but the date that I wanted to go has been canceled. Um, so I went ahead when this extension was announced and got the ticket the tickets for that final performance on Sunday, May 1st. Although I would not be surprised if it extends again, James, considering the ridiculous amount of talent that is in this show, including uh, Jen Colella, Nikki M. James, Grace McLean, Philip Basu, uh, Shana Taub, who also is writing the show and many more. All right. What do we have in stage and screen news? Okay. So I'm going to run through this stuff fairly quickly because this has been a long episode. But first up, the musical adaptation of Some Like It Hot. I almost said Some Like It Pop. We are not musicalizing Jennifer McHugh and I's podcast. Um, But they will be holding a developmental work session this month. And they actually started having um, some, some public performances this past week. And the cast for this thing is ridiculous, James. Um, The cast includes Adriana Hicks from Six playing the role of Sugar, the role made famous by Marilyn Monroe. Um, And in the two lead male roles, I guess, if we can say that properly, Christian Borle and Jay Harrison Gee, they are the roles made famous by Tony Curtis and and, and, um, and Jack Lemmon in the film. Also, the principal cast includes Tevin, uh, Kevin Del uh, Aguila, Adam Heller, Mark Latito, and Natasha Yvette Williams. Casey Nicola is the director and choreographer. The show features music by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman and Mark Shaman. Um, or sorry, music by Mark Shaman, lyrics by Whitman and Shaman, and a book by Matthew Lopez and Amber Ruffin. They are doing this work session in lieu of an out-of-town tryout and are planning to hit Broadway in fall of 2022. So if that's the case, I would imagine this will likely be the cast coming to Broadway if and when that does happen. And I do think it's interesting that Jay Harrison Gee is playing Joe slash Josephine, of course, or I'm, I'm sorry, is playing Jerry slash Daphne. This is a show, James, much like Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire that is centered around the man in dress joke. Um, but we have heard, and I, I imagine with the casting of Jay Harrison Gee, that they might actually look into some gender fluidity issues in a new uh, approach to this show, given some of the pushback that Doubtfire and Tootsie have had over the past couple of seasons. Well, uh, you know, these people are well aware of it, and these are people that I really trust. So I, I think that they can really uh, take a different uh, perspective here and uh, give us something that we're not going to cringe about. I, I, I sure hope so. <laughs> um, all right, moving to one of the favorite centers of my particular Venn diagram. Yesterday, Deadline reported that Derek Klenna will be starring in an upcoming Hallmark Channel holiday movie called A Holiday Spectacular that is expected to be part of the 2022 Countdown to Christmas programming. As you might guess by the title, A Holiday Spectacular, not only will it star Derek Klenna, but it will also feature the Radio City Rockettes, uh, and it will it'll be centered around uh, Radio City Music Hall's Christmas Spectacular. Joining Klenna will be the legendary Anne Margaret, uh, as well as the Brady Bunch's Eve Plum and Wicked alum 
Jenna Claire Mason. The movie takes place in 1958 and follows Maggie, a Philadelphia heiress, who sneaks to New York to pursue her dreams of dancing in the Radio City Music Hall Christmas Spectacular. Clenna plays a U.S. Navy photographer named John, who sparks a chance encounter for the fleeing bride-to-be. I have not seen this movie as it has not yet been, uh, production has not started, they haven't started filming, but because I watch every Hallmark movie, I have already seen this movie. That's, <laughs> uh, that's just how it works. I have seen yes. it and I've watched it four times, including multiple times in, uh, in like July. Anyway, moving on uh, to another center of a Venn diagram that I'm particularly fond of. It was announced that 2022 Academy Award winning actress Ariana DeBose, I'm going to go ahead and put that flag down now. Um, she is joining not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the Marvel Movie Universe, as she will be playing Calypso in the new Sony Marvel movie, Craven the Hunter. Um, she is joining... Uh, a film that will star Aaron Taylor Johnson in the title role of Craven the Hunter. And um, this is kind of in the Sony Spider-Man part of the Marvel Universe. And technically, it, you can consider it part of the MCU because we have now seen characters from that Marvel Sony Universe cross over because of the multiverse in Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, so I guess we can consider her part of the MCU, although the purists won't. Anyway, her character Calypso is a voodoo priestess who utilizes magic potions um, uh, over her over the time. She is an occasional partner and lover of Craven, but is always an adversary for Spider-Man. We don't really know how Spider-Man will feature into this because so far no Spider-Man has been a part of the movies, the Venom movies and the upcoming uh, Morbius movie. Uh, but for me, it's still fun to see Ari in a Marvel movie. Uh, SAG Award winner, Ariana DeBose. So she is a SAG Award winner and will win her Oscar later this month. What do we have in feel-good recommendations? I will just leave this to y'all to go watch because we are running long here. But we got a video of uh, of AJ Shively singing the song Why Should I Die in Springtime from Paradise Square. We, of course, know Paradise Square will begin uh, performances on Tuesday, uh, March 15th at the Barrymore Theater. Um, great, uh, great little tune. Great song. AJ Shively is always fantastic. Uh, and you should check it out. We will have a link in the show notes. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us. Hey, Matt, why don't you say something for me? Okay, ready? Okay. This is CNN. I was one. I was going to tease that, but you went ahead and got it better. That was better. But this is CNN. This is CNN. And Matt and I will be back, or uh, eventually Matt and I will be back, but yeah. somebody will be back and talk with you tomorrow. And explain why the hell we're doing the CNN long line. This is CNN. This. Move on, move on, move on.